Hello, everyone. I'm Asha Nayaswamy, and it is my great pleasure to be here today with Sundra Tremer, whom some of you may know for his role in uh, Earth Sky Foundation, which is the nature awareness uh, nonprofit that uh, Joseph Cornell Bharat created. And Sundra has been uh, Bharat's assistant and his representative now for many years. But today we're going to start somewhere else. So, Sundra, I know that you're a resident of Ananda Village now, but I'd like to know who you were before you got there and how you ended up becoming a disciple, finding master. You don't have to start with your conception. You can start a little after that, but whoever you, whatever you would like. Well, um, I was, I'm doing a course on master's life now um, that I'm preparing. It's going to be launching in a couple of weeks. And I found that master spoke at the location in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where I graduated from. So that was pretty fun to find that oh, out. Very nice. Um, so yeah, I'm in growing up in Pittsburgh and um, in high school, my, my best friend and I would go to the bookstore on the weekends. Mm -hmm. When other people would be partying, we'd go to the Borders bookstore and we would go to the spiritual section. We The books at the time I think we were reading were uh, Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh. Right. Way the Peaceful Warrior. Right. And so... How did you happen to have a spiritual interest at that point? Were you raised in a religion or did it come right out of you? Um, I was brought up Catholic, went to Catholic school for 12 years. Mm -hmm. um, parents very devout. They still, every morning, they, they read the Bible and um, discuss and do prayer, a little silent time, um, as long as I can remember. So <laughs> it's always been in me. Yeah. And you were in tune with what they were doing. You didn't rebel against it. You you welcomed it. I was. Um, I rebelled against it more in high school because uh -huh. it was imposed upon me a little bit more uh -huh. than I would have liked. Um, because my experience of God was primarily through experience I had in nature I see. on a wilderness trip. And uh -huh. so once I had that experience of God in the wilderness, when I went back home. I wouldn't go to church. I would say I would go to church, but instead I would go into the forest behind the church. Really? Yeah. So what was that experience? How old were you when that happened to you? Um, I was 16 years old. Uh -huh. It was um, in Utah, uh, in the most desolate part of the United 48, United Lower 48. And I was along this river and there was just this calmness and the evening sun was just painting this beautiful colors on the canyon wall in front of me and i just felt this overwhelming just sense of joy and there was just an experience where just like the peace of nature just rushed into me mm -hmm. and you know months later i thought oh that's god i see yeah and at i wanted that feeling uh -huh. so i wasn't getting that feeling at church i would go into the forest instead i see so you told your parents you were going to mass yeah and you would just walk toward the church but go around it yeah well you know i would they would they were in the choir so they had to go at a different time and, mm -hmm. and so um, once in a while i would go but then it was just the force was calling me <laughs> so this led you to the bookstore yeah this led me to the bookstore um my best friend and i i was doing martial arts at the time shaolin mm -hmm. kung fu and i thought that was going to be my whole life mm -hmm. um but then when i was 17 um, I went to uh, like a, a holistic chiropractor that my mom had gone to 
who um, saved her from getting some sort of like surgery that the doctor said that she needed. And he was able to not have her need that surgery. And so I went to see him for something. I don't remember why. And he just looked at me and he was a kind of quiet. And he said, I'm going to give you a book. And if you tell your parents who gave it to you, I'll deny it. <laughs> and I, I can still remember him writing on a scrap of paper, autobiography of a yogi Yogananda. Really? So I went back home. I think I went to the bookstore. I, I bought a copy of it. I went back home. My sister, Michelle, and my best friend, Matt, were both there at the time. And they read the book first. Interestingly enough, they're both Kriyabans now. Really? So it was at the same time. Huh. And so it was through that doctor that I first found autobiography when I was 17. So one book brought yeah. three disciples to master, yes? Yeah. <laughs> Very yeah. efficient. Yeah. But, so now you're 17. So wh what happens after that? I mean, did you, did you become a disciple at 17? No, I became a disciple at 24. Uh-huh. Actually at Master's Crypt um, uh -huh. during Swami's book launch of the Revelation of Christ. I see. I had no idea. Bharat just said, you should take discipleship. I said, I, I think I already am a disciple. It was just kind of, you just kind of, there was never a process. Am I a disciple? I'm not a disciple. It just kind of flowed into it. Uh-huh. It was very interesting. It just like, of course I am. Yes, of course I am. It was never um, was I am or not. It was just I was. I was. Yeah. And so taking the ceremony literally at Master's body, I didn't realize that was a pretty significant, pretty amazing event. At the right. time, I didn't think it was so amazing. Right. But um, there's you know, bodies in Los Angeles like, in, 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 at this mar marvelous marble crypt. A public, it's a public place, more or less. So yeah. Did yeah. you take from Swamiji? Who who initiated you then? Uh, Bharat and Anandi. Right. Yeah. How very appropriate. Yeah. So where were you living by the time you were 24? Were you at Ananda? Where, where did you, yeah. did you go to college in between? What did you study? Yeah, I went to a college in North Carolina, uh -huh. a school that was known for academics, work and service. One of the few work colleges in the country. Huh. Where students were on the campus. Uh -huh. So it was this, it was like an intentional community, only 800 students, uh -huh. very based on ecological concepts we grew a lot of our own food organic farm but every student had to run the campus hmm. so this sense of community i started to just i loved it so much mm -hmm. and so it was there that um i started to to read master's teachings more and more mm -hmm. uh, a relationship i had was ending mm -hmm. and it ended hard hmm. and i realized that i cannot find a love like this unless it's divine hmm. i mean that's it was almost like the, well, my incarnations had come to a point where, okay, I'm done. Mm -hmm. If it's just a relationship on a typical romantic human love level. Mm -hmm. And so my, my longing and reading more of master's works and specifically in conversations with Yogananda, mm -hmm. um, I was doing an internship in DC for the Smithsonian and I read that book more and um, that was in 2006 what what kind, what do you do as an internship at the Smithsonian? Like, do you? Yeah. I might have a picture of you polishing prehistoric bones, but is that what you actually did? Well, the Smithsonian is a collection of museums and their research centers. So I worked at the research center teaching environmental education. Um, we had already had Bharat, who at the time was Joseph Cornell to me, mm -hmm. come to my college and give workshops and lectures because um, I was studying environmental education in college. And the first book you got was Sharing Nature with Children, Joseph Cornell. 
Really interesting. Everybody knows him. Yeah. And um, so I got that book. We invited him to college. It was right at the time when my, my yearning for Yogananda's teachings were more in Kriya Yoga were more like uppermost in my consciousness. Right. Here comes Bharat. Huh. We were at a workshop. He said, I feel connection with you. Right. I didn't know why. Right. And just literally weeks before, I was looking for somebody to, to get Kriya Yoga from. And here he comes. Well, you know, uh, just for the, the few people who might not know, Bharat Joseph Cornell has, is a founding yeah. member of Ananda Village. He wrote his groundbreaking book, Sharing Nature with Children, at Ananda. And he basically had two parallel identities, has or had. One is as a prominent teacher, Kriya, Kriyacharya of Ananda, and the other is as this literally world-renowned environmental innovator. So he finds you. So what you're describing to me is basically you just kind of sat there and God kept finding you. <laughs> he he gave you a book. He sent you Bharat. He, yeah. Well, you know, definitely. I mean, there was, I, looking back, there was definitely a yearning. Yes. You know, and that yearning was just kept bringing these experiences. And it wasn't just rosy experiences. Like I said, the relations that ended, uh -huh. it, was, it wasn't a quick, it took years. Uh -huh. But it was in that suffering that was when I was 24 when that ended. And I think like every 12 years is like, we have like a, if we have spiritual karma can come up. Right. So it was a simultaneously end of like end of suffering and beginning of the new chapter. Right. So, I, you know, I, I didn't mean to imply, lest I need to apologize that you've had it easy, but what I meant was how perfectly yeah. you've been just taken care of is really what exactly. I'm seeing there. Yeah. So, so you meet Bharat, but you're on the, East Coast, not on the West Coast. How did you end up out here in California? I um, I went. I graduated from college, uh -huh. and I I uh, took a job out near Ananda as a um, like a camp counselor. Uh -huh. And I, I chose it because I was I, I knew it was close to Ananda, and so uh -huh. I would just I would come on my day off. We had twenty four. 24 hours off per week. And I would come to an on my days off. Uh -huh. And then I just had to quit the camp and just did karma yoga for the last three weeks of the summer. Right. And then I went back to North Carolina. I was a wedding coordinator for a year. A wedding coordinator. How on earth did you ever fall into a job like that? <laughs> I mean, just so, a second. This is like to prove to you that romance is not the answer is the only thing I can think of. Exactly. So, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was just fabulous. So, you know, I graduated, I was in Asheville, North Carolina, which was like this progressive pocket in the middle of the Appalachian Bible Belt. Mm -hmm. And my college was this liberal college. And right next to the college was this beautiful valley in the Swannano, right, surrounded by mountains. Uh -huh. My religion teacher wanted to purchase the land to uh -huh. save it from development. So she uh -huh. made a wedding facility out of it and asked me to be the coordinator. So I, I coordinated about 40 weddings. Yeah. <laughs> And you enjoyed it? Um, it really, I enjoyed parts of it, but, um, you know, I realized how, how crazy weddings are um, uh -huh. and how many details they were. So they really prepared me to, to learn how to take on something big. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah. But by now, you're already a Kriyavan? You've already met uh, Bharat? You've no, already been initiated? I, I had taken discipleship that previous summer. I see. Uh-huh. 2006. Uh-huh. Year goes by, wedding coordinator, and then um, during that year, uh, I called I called Bharat just to talk, and 
uh, he asked me to work with him at Sharing Nature. Um, right. You said Sky and Earth Foundation. It's called Sharing Nature Worldwide, just to clarify. Nature. I was, I, you saw me, I hesitated. I knew I was going to do somebody a disservice. Sharing Nature Worldwide. That was a book what... Sky and Earth touched me. So. Yeah. All right. So 2006, you moved to Ananda Village. Yeah. 2007, I moved to Ananda Village. And the, this is where you're living now, and it's where you've always lived since then? Yep. So I've lived here since 2007 and a uh, variety of jobs since then. Sharing nature has been the continuous thread throughout. Uh-huh. But I've, done work, I've been working at Crystal Hermitage throughout that whole time. What, do, what kind of work do you do at Crystal Hermitage? Um, it's maintaining the gardens uh, with Netri and Jivita, uh, uh-huh. planting all the tulips every year, uh-huh. uh, making rock beds, doing general maintenance, things like that. Yeah. It sounds to me like you've had very consistent interests. I mean, mm-hmm. God comes to you in the wilderness, nature education, growing food. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting in that regards because my evolution of, I went to, the college I went to at Warren, it was called Warren Wilson College, uh-huh. was very much traditional environmental education, activism. And I quickly got out of that. Um, uh-huh. I wasn't, I didn't see nature, sharing nature as we're here to, um, you know, change people's minds, but it was about really changing people's hearts because that's what changed my relationship to nature uh-huh. was the changing of the heart. And that's really what the sharing nature approach emphasizes. Of course, we teach facts, but it's really about the heart. So how does being a disciple inform your being a nature educator? How do they work together? Well, m- I've just as Swami saw Master's teachings like the hub of a of a wheel, right. and the core teachings can like radiate out into all these different areas of life. And I think that's part of Swami's genius, mm-hmm. because not everybody are going to be disciples, but everybody wants happiness and bliss. And uni- using universal spiritual principles to attain that is, I mean, it's what it's all about. And so Bharat did the same thing. Everything on sharing nature is inspired by Master's teachings. Right. And the whole process of flow learning is you, you lead people through step by step into different nature activities mm-hmm. where all of a sudden their mind is uplifted and calm. And then that's when nature can enter into us. You know, Master said, you know, just, you know, all of all of nature is all all of it is God. And so here is God just entering into people on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. And so when I do my sharing nature work, I don't think of it as I'm doing sharing nature work. I'm doing master's work. Mm-hmm. Sharing nature is just a particular vehicle at the time. So how would you define master's work when you say that? What is master's work to you? I think of master's work as universal upliftment of consciousness right. through a, that specific vibration. Uh-huh. Because I think we think of master's work maybe as an organization, right? right? Which the organization can hold master's work, but in a deeper level, it's the vibration coming through individuals. Right. That's part of it and coming through individuals creatively. Mm-hmm. Because even if I wasn't, um, ever since I, w- I first came to Ananda, I felt like my only role in life was to share master's teachings. I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't even know what that meant. Mm-hmm. But just I'm realizing now that it, it's not in a specific way of being a teacher or sharing nature, but it's in the sense of, being a channel for his vibration and trying to in that way. So what is master's work to me? I, 
I think it was at the end of Swami's book on Master, uh, the biography he wrote, he said, how will his legacy spread? And he said, it's through self-realization of individuals. When you speak of Master's vibration, which you, you use that many times in this conversation, what does that mean, Master's vibration? I've, I've had in my mind, I don't know why, when I, I have this, always had this image of my mind where, you know, we're taught to visualize master's eyes. Mm -hmm. And whenever I do that, I get to this scene of I'm master is outside of Mount Washington and I'm with a group of disciples that he's greeting and I see his eyes for the first time. And I feel that vibration coming into me. And I don't know, I can't explain it. It's just, it's a particular unique feeling that I've grown accustomed to. In the beginning of my path, I, on the path, I didn't know what pe that meant when mm -hmm. people said that vibration, but slowly but surely over the years, I've, I've been able to differentiate it from when I would go and meet Ama mm -hmm. or read other books. It's something that is just a sensitivity I think I've kind of grown accustomed to over the years. Mm -hmm. That's the only way I can describe it. How yeah. does it feel to you when, you, when you're in it? There's a, a sense of clarity mm -hmm. in it. Um, there's a sense of clarity. Um, I don't, this is, this might be odd to say, but there's a certain smell. <laughs> no, it's not odd at all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's just, there's just a sense of, of knowing, especially like if I read one of like, um, excerpts from Durga Mata's book uh -huh. and read more of like the mundane, you know, him working in the kitchen, uh -huh. I get in that vibration huh. again. Uh -huh. It's almost like I was there or I am there right now. Um, of course, you know, when you're in meditation and after you drop the technique of meditation, you just kind of be in the stillness, that vibration is strongest. And then it kind of pops up here and there again and again. Yeah, I can understand that. That's very good. But the, I would say the strongest time I felt that vibration uh -huh. was, I think it was the last, it was the last donor dinner Swami gave before he passed. Uh -huh. He was blessing people in the, the gallery of the, her, of the hermitage. And I just remember him, his eyes were just like glowing. It was just like he was gone. And it was just like, just master's vibration. And it was the same vibration mm -hmm. I felt mm -hmm. before and after. Mm -hmm. And I just, he just, you know, he just touched us all for just like a boom, like a second. It's a spiritual eye. And afterwards, I couldn't move for like a half an hour because the bliss was so great, so intense. And there was that same vibration. Hmm. So again, it was like this melding. It was just, it wasn't the personality of Kriyananda. It was the, it was the vibration of Yogananda in this path coming through him at that time. Mm -hmm. So has Kriyananda played an important role in your discipleship, do you feel? Yes, definitely. Because it, at first I thought, oh, it's, it's just about Paramahansa Yogananda, master. Yeah. And then I realized that, you know, we all have to be these lights for master to come through us and work through us because master isn't going to work the same way in 1952 as he's going to do now. Mm -hmm. It's going to come out in new and creative ways. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we attune ourselves to master in a deep way, like 
Swami has, um, he's going to show us all these, again, creative ways of expressing Master's teachings. But it wasn't always easy for me to attune to Swami because, you know, I mean, he has a personality and sometimes, you know, I could attune myself to it. Sometimes I couldn't. Mm -hmm. But over the years, I've tried to go beyond the personality into, again, the vibration beyond it, like to, to feel that more so. So, um, and Sarah, in terms of how has Swami's importance been to my discipleship, it's been extremely important in that sense. As an example, as a conduit, as a, I mean, you describe him giving you an experience of master's vibration. Yeah. That's certainly something. Yeah. As an example, for sure. Um, when I, I mean, I started reading autobiography, as I said, when I was 17, I couldn't get through it at the time. But it wasn't until I went to Thailand in 2005. Uh, I was studying in Tibet, um, Tibetan Buddhism for a month. And then I went to Thailand for some vacation. I got bored. I went to a bookstore. The path was there. And just reading his ex, um, book on the path on Master, the chapter called Paramahansa Yogananda, I just remember tears flowing down my face. Mm. And that's when I realized Yogananda was my guru. But it was through... through him describing master so beautifully. So that was the first experience. Mm. Um, and then just throughout the years, I mean, I've had dreams of Swami and just, it was just interesting. Um, and I remember being at the Crystal Hermitage and, and I, when I was working there and he'd be there and I really want to get his attention. Mm -hmm. He just wouldn't give me anything. <laughs> and then I just, there was a time when I thought, okay, it doesn't matter. I, I'm trying, I'm trying to get him to recognize my ego. It just doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. So I just relaxed. And at that moment, I feel this vibration coming behind me. And he's there. He's like, hello, how are you? <laughs> and there's a lot of uh, stories like that, but just to see how he was constantly trying to help people experience this vibration of and again, you know, reading about Master, he would say, I'm, I'm here to bring my guru's teachings, Sri Yukteswar, Lahiri's teachings. Uh -huh. You know, again, it's, it's, it's not just as way as I see it. And I don't know if I'm right or not. It's not, again, Yogananda's teachings. These are universal teachings of a, of a specific vibration coming down that we all have the power to be channels for ourselves. That's perfect. And Swami showed us that we can do that yeah. and it's not bound by any organization yeah. and that's the individual who loves god who can be that channel that's perfect absolutely perfect um you have not repudiated romance completely i hope in no. as much as i know your wife <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how did you come to embrace the householder life again yeah i think i was doing master's my time at Ananda, I really wanted a relationship, but I wanted the right relationship. Right. So I was put in the role of working at the Expanding Light with the Karma Yogis, where you have all these attractive young people that are coming. And, uh -huh. you know, I couldn't be in a relationship with them because of the role I was in. And uh -huh. so I kept having to kind of hold my energy in. Right. To the point where one Karma Yogi asked me, are you a monk? Uh -huh. Which was like, are you serious? Do you think I'm a monk? <laughs> like, yeah, you're so inward, where years before I was known for being more like that Italian romantic. Yeah. <laughs> and so I thought, okay, 
I started praying, doing master's prayer for a relationship. And I always felt like I was going to be with somebody who was a nun. Uh-huh. And sure enough, Nanda Devi comes from Argentina, part of the, the song, the group down there. And that's how we, she was in Brahmacharini at the time and uh-huh. was transitioning out of that even beforehand. And uh-huh. I was transitioning into wanting to be in a relationship whose first love was God alone. And that's what she had been. Her love was for four years of her life. Uh-huh. And so we met um, and we've been married since 2016. Right. Very, very nice for that. Yeah. Um, so how do you see, I mean, I know this is a big question, but I'm, I'm like a founding member of Ananda. I am literally mm. 50 years since I met Swami. And I really feel, I see the whole world has changed around me. I mean, what we're doing is timeless. It has nothing to do with culture or fads or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But Ananda itself as an entity is an evolving entity. Right. Yeah. So where Ananda itself is going, I mean, we, we, we basically brought it up from nothing. There was mm-hmm. nothing there and now there's something. Um, you all have come in when there was something. <laughs> do you mm-hmm. have a, a feeling of like, what you're what you're supposed to be doing or do you think do you think in those terms do you have any picture in your mind of what For ananda me, could be or me, what you're supposed to do like ananda in general just in general or or let's put it in another way like your unique service of master through ananda i don't exactly know i i really don't know what i'm asking okay yeah <laughs> you know i asked barat this once regarding sharing nature. I said, what do you think see us the future of sharing nature? And he says, I don't know. That's up to God. Uh Something along that way in a sense of like, you know, if we get too fixed that it has to be this way, then we're getting into a fixed mindset and the fixed mindset is more Kali Yuga. Mm -hmm. And Dwapar Yuga, it's more about flowing with the energy. So if we keep our energy uplifted Mm -hmm. and our minds open, then current might of energy might come along that said this is the way it's going to go mm-hmm. so it's important i think that you know we have a direction in our mind but not be so fixed on that mm-hmm. of in which way it's going to go um it's going to be different because we're going to go deeper into dwapar yuga mm-hmm. and we have to work more with modes of energy in that regards um so in so in the future of ananda I don't know exactly what that would look like. Um, Trick question. Because <laughs> that is the right answer. I've been, uh, as you know, I've, I've been responsible for a community here. I'm sort of emeritus now, but I've been responsible for 30 some years. And when people would ask yeah. me what my job is, I said to have help, to, to have inspiring experiences and to help other people have inspiring experiences. That's it. Yeah. And, and finding new and creative ways of doing that. For exactly. That's exactly right. Do you think there's a real generational difference between what I lovingly call my tribe and your tribe? <laughs> do you think that culture is going to play enough of a role in it? Or do you think that's superficial? You know, there is that one master was quoting, I think Rudyard Kipling, he said, you know, the East and West will never meet. Uh-huh. Um, but when a strong man of the East and a strong man of the West meet, they'll, they'll come together. And, you know, sometimes I can see a difference in generations, you know, oh, that's the way you guys do it, or this is the way we do it. And, you know, and the thing is, it's generational, it's different, but 
the fact is, is that you've been practicing Kriya Yoga for what, 50 years? Close. Right? Yeah. And I believe, I believe in your sincerity. Uh-huh. I believe in your goodness to help people. I believe in the power of Kriya Yoga. Uh-huh. Right? And that means you're going to have more intuition, <laughs> in my opinion. So even if I don't agree with you, I trust your intuition. I trust your sincerity. And I trust the power of Kriya Yoga. Uh-huh. And so that's what I focus on. And so whether there's a difference or not, that doesn't matter. What matters is the sincerity and the Guru's grace of Kriya Yoga. And that's what I think our generation needs to focus on too and not focus on the differences so much, but the underlining unity of what brings us together in brotherhood. I mean, that's what Master's here to do. Oh, that's Um, perfect. Absolutely perfect. That's a good answer to a bad question. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, my friend. Of course, we're going to do things differently, but um, that's just the way it is, you know, and we can do it with attunement and and honoring um, those who have always come before us. Very, very good. Thank you. We'll be talking to Nanda Devi before too long. and Yeah, you'll be seeing her soon. Here's a picture of her. Here's her picture. Okay, perfect. Oh, and who says you're not a romantic? Okay. God bless you, my friend. Thank you for sharing.